Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Finsider Radio. I am your host, Josh Houts. This is the Jake and Josh Show, which means I am joined by my trusty co-host, Jake Mendel. How are you doing today, Jake? I'm doing pretty good. It, it's strange. I mean, obviously, a lot of people listening to this don't have to deal with this, and I feel like this is my segue to start every show, but just sitting inside, you start to sweat now. I mean, it literally just kind of jumped from, you know, 50 degrees, 50 degrees, it's 80 degrees out. We're getting to spring. Those dog days of summer are most certainly here. And before we kind of jump into a couple things here, I know you're really riled up to talk about Tua and, and his boy Chris Sims, what the what they've been offering, you know, Jakeem Grant really seeming like a guy we're going to be talking about quite a bit, not only through the offseason, but through training camps. And even the Dolphins are turning themselves into a drive through and we'll be able to talk about that a little bit later. But before we get into everything, remember, you can follow us on Twitter, I am jmendel94, how it's simple enough, H-O-U-T-Z, he's a brick, he's simple, easy as that. And be sure, please, 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 everyone, follow us. Well, it's it's basically a follow, right? Subscribe to us. Hit that subscribe button. It helps us so, so much. And be sure to rate. Be sure to review. All that stuff is great for us. I hope everyone out there is doing well. Josh, I'm ready to get into it. Are you ready for this? I know you're a little fueled up, ready to talk about this subject here. Yeah, I'm definitely ready. And you mentioned how hot it is outside. I actually turned the air conditioner on the other day because it helps myself and the girls. You know, I have two little ones and I don't want them to be too hot. And I'm right now, I am heated because for those that don't know, Chris Sims, Pro Football Talk, NBC, released his top 40 quarterback rankings, and he's doing it slowly over the next few weeks, I guess. And yesterday, he ranked Tua Tungavailoa 40th on his list. He then followed that up with Mitchell Trubisky. And today, he added Justin Herbert and Taysom Hill to that list. And I understand that you can't sit here and rate a guy that's never played a down in the NFL, and that's some of the arguments out there going around. You know, well, Tua never played a game. Tua had an uber-talented team at Alabama. So did Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow has not even been listed yet. But Justin Herbert and Taysom Hill and Mitchell Trubisky, I, I mean, I understand that Chris Sims was not high on Tua heading into the draft. I think it was Alfredo Arteaga of three yards per carry said that he was his fourth-ranked quarterback prospect. But get the hell out of here, man. Tua's a little 40, and then you put those guys ahead of him? That is a travesty, in my opinion. What are your thoughts on this situation? Yeah, see, I tried to take it like step by step because I think, you know, obviously if you're doing your top 40 quarterbacks, I think I think this is kind of how if you're going to make a list like this, this is how you do it because you want to get people talking right away because you're talking 40th best quarterback. That's what the 8th best backup, right? So, you want a name there that will get people like I need to see where these guys rate after this because Tua and, and you know, rookie quarterbacks in general really seem like low-hanging uh, fruit, it seems like the Dolphins have always had those type of guys where it's like, why aren't we getting that respect? What the hell's going on here? And uh, this is what Sims had to say. 
uh, mentioning that the talent is most certainly there in a lot of areas, definitely a leader that guys gravitate to. That, I mean, sure. I don't care that there's a number next to that. I'm hyped that he's saying this this type of stuff. We all know the injury questions. We, we'll see how he does when he doesn't have all the best players on the field with him like he did at Alabama. Um, it's a strange situation because I think the, you know, the injuries, the injuries, the injuries are something we're going to talk about, you know, every day until we don't. Um, the dude never played a snap in the NFL and is right now considered the NFL's eighth best backup, which is a little questionable to me in the sense of, I think if you're drafting someone fifth overall, I feel like they would have to be top 35. I think they'd have to be, you know, really fighting for one of those starting jobs. Um, it's, it's really a strange, you know, way to start it having someone like Tua, um, he didn't really say anything is bad. And I think something we could kind of talk about here in a minute after I kind of go through these other picks is I think Miami does have the weapons. I, I think Miami has the, the system and pieces in place where, you know, obviously it's not the best guys in the field, but when you look at like a Devante Parker, or Preston Williams, um, you know, an Albert Wilson doesn't come back here to sit on the bench for a year and make less money than he was uh, destined to make, I guess. Right. So, I, I don't think the weapons thing is really a, a concern here that he brings up. But then you go right to 39 and you go Dwayne Haskins. And instantly in my head, I was like, all right, you know, the reason Has Haskins is here and, and above Tua, you can simply say that he, he played in the NFL, right? This is a guy who really got some snaps. Obviously, he didn't look too, too great at times. But, I mean, it was the first year in the NFL. I don't think anyone was expecting to be great. When you first heard those two, did you kind of feel a little, like, I guess understanding, I think when I saw Tua at 40, I, I was like, all right, this is fine. I think where my uh, grievances come in are, are are later down as we go. But seeing Tua at 40 and then Hassan at 39 didn't make me, like, big mad. W would you agree, or, or were you starting to get annoyed even at that? Yeah, I mean, I, I was higher on Haskins than most people. If if you think back to, you know, before that draft last season, uh, I was pretty high on Dwayne Haskins. Kind of had hoped the Dolphins went after him. Obviously, I think two is a better prospect. But, I mean, I guess I wasn't upset there because a lot of people are down on Dwayne Haskins. He kind of turned it on towards the end of the year, and then he got injured. But it was after that, you know, 38, Mitchell Trubisky. And, I mean, I think people are unfair on Mitch Trubisky. But you look at who they drafted. Uh, they took Trubisky over to Sean Watson and then, Patrick Mahomes and that that is huge that is going to bite the Chicago Bears for a long time he's probably not going to be the starter there because they traded for Nick Foles but then today I mean Justin Herbert and you can make the argument and let's just get one thing out there right now rankings don't matter it's an opinion everyone has them uh, if anything Chris Sims is one of those guys that likes to throw those hot takes out there because that's what people talk about I mean he threw out Tua Tungvaloa he then listed Dwayne Haskins Mitch Trubisky and he didn't say another thing the rest of the day and that's all people were talking about I mean in times like this, you know, there's a way to stay relevant, and I get he was down on Tua, but to me that is just absolutely absurd. And then to go out there and throw Justin Herbert, ceiling could be higher than Joe Burrow. I mean, that right there says how he feels about him as a prospect, and this is a guy that was brought to my attention. He loves the size. He loves those prototypical passers, and, and that's why he probably lists these. But then that 36 to go Taysom Hill, I mean— is he even a quarterback? I don't know if he is a quarterback. And you keep hearing the smoke coming out of New Orleans. He's the future there. I don't think he is. And I don't think that, you know, that's the way that they're going to approach is once Drew Brees does go into greener pastures. I mean, they brought in Jameis Winston. I'd rather have Jameis Winston at quarterback despite those 30 interceptions last season than Taysom Hill, who in my opinion is a gadget player. So Dwayne Haskins, it annoyed me a little bit because in my opinion, I think Tua was the better clear and away the better prospect. But then when you go down the list, Trubisky, Justin Herbert, Taysom Hill, 
it, I'm, I'm, again, it, it's just someone's opinion, and you can't get too upset about him because, again, he's throwing this out there to try to rile, uh, ruffle feathers and to stay relevant throughout this, you know, these dire times when we need something desperately to talk about. But it, it, it's crazy to me. And again, we're Dolphin fans. We're going to support our quarterback, uh, you know, until he's no longer a Miami Dolphin. But that is freaking absurd, in my opinion. And uh, I don't think there's any other way to put it. Yeah, and I think it's it, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think if you're making a list like this, I think Tua is the low hanging fruit to put at forty and making a you know uh, a controversial list that will have everyone talking. I think Chris Sims does know what he's talking about and he does know what he's doing. I think he is doing just that because I think you can justify putting Tua at forty, but uh, it, it really kind of unfolds because you have to think. I think there are eight quality backups in the NFL, right? Where where I wouldn't even think T- Taysom Hill is a top eight backup in the NFL. That's where I start to kind of scratch my head. But but to kind of jump back and reel it into Dwayne Haskins, uh, basically there's a lot of questions about him and, and how you know a, he's going to do with the new coaching staff around him, right? Ron Rivera coming in there. Uh, if Tua is sitting there at 39 next year, I think that's where we really need to start having concerns and problems. If if we don't see him jump into top 25, right? I mean, I know Ryan Tannehill spent seven years in the top 25, but if, if we can see that into Tua from year one, I know there are reports coming out right now that, hey, maybe it isn't so crazy, something we've kind of said for a few weeks here, that it wouldn't be so crazy that, that Tua really starts to suit up and maybe he takes control of this team by, you know, week five, week six, and is the start of the rest of the year. That isn't really out of the realm of possibilities. Um, a lot of people said this. I forgot who, who it might have been Maddie Infinite, uh, uh, Pro Football Network, I think, right? Uh, I think he said once you're at 100%, you know, you can't be higher than 100%, right? So so that's really an issue you see there about uh, where Tua could wind up. Trubisky, again, I get. He had a deep playoff run. Yes, it was the defense, but he solidified himself. Look at what Joe Flacco did, right? He just He's making $4.5 million from the Jets to not even start the season as the backup quarterback. That, you know, that is boggling. We could talk about that for a little while, too, if you want. But Trubisky, I get, I understand. He's not the best. But having him above a player who has never played in the NFL, sure, sold. Herbert is where I'm like, all right, dude, come on. You know, the ceiling could be higher than Joe Burrow. I mean, just putting the word could in there just really skews your argument because, hey, this guy might be maybe all right. All right, cool. So he's better than Tua. That is where I was like, this reasoning is getting a little funky for me. And then um, I, I hear for our rundown, I put, I wrote T-A-Y dot dot dot. Nope, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm done because I wouldn't even think Taysom Hill is in the top 15 of backup quarterbacks in the league. I honestly would think I would start Josh Rosen for a 16-game season over Taysom Hill, and I don't think I'd think twice about it. Yeah, and you might be onto something there. And again, I think the way the NFL is transitioning, maybe that's why the Taysom Hill argument could be made. But you touched on the Barry Jackson report about how the coaching staff isn't opposed to playing rookie quarterback to a tongue of Iloa at some point this year if he earns the opportunity. And this came out in a Mike Freeman article of Bleacher Report just minutes before we decided to record. And he here's a quote from the article. The more compelling question isn't whether Tonga Vailoa starts at some point this year. It's whether he will start at the beginning of it. And according to every coach I've spoken to, it's a foregone conclusion that he will beat out veteran journeyman Ryan Fitzpatrick and start week one against the Patriots on September 13th. It's difficult to put into words how high some coaches are on Tonga Vailoa. They think that when we look back at this draft, he'll be one of the best if not the best players from it. And that, I mean, I think we talked about this a little bit last week, and we thought it was a little bit crazy to sit here and think that 
given the circumstances. And it does seem like now that training camp is, I believe a tweet came out yesterday or a report came out yesterday that we might be seeing mini camps in the beginning of June or, you know, mid June. So if the season progresses, like they're starting to say, and Tua, he, I, I watched him play Madden yesterday, as crazy as that sounds. He was talking about how he's in these Zoom meetings, getting to know the offense with Chan Gailey. You know, Fitzpatrick already said he's going to be an open book to him. If Tua can get in there and prove that he is the clear favorite, the, you know, the, the most talented player in that quarterback room, there's no reason why he can't start. And I don't think these are coaches of the Miami Dolphins, obviously, but to think that there are coaches around the NFL – that view this as a foregone conclusion that he's going to go in there and beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick week one and start against the Patriots. That's huge in my opinion. And I think it's something that we tend to rule out because we've heard it all off season long. They're going to redshirt Tua. Don't, don't rush Tua along. The offensive line needs to get, you know, acclimated and start to gel and mesh together. You start to hear some of these former quarterbacks come out and say, you know, the best experience is getting out there in the live game. So this was this report was pretty big, and it's got Dolphin fans talking. Uh, I don't know your opinions on this and, and what you might think of Tua Tagovailoa's start in week one. I think it was kind of interesting where we, we got a trial of this last year with Josh Rosen, right, of like what it means to win a quarterback competition. And and I think we kind of had the agreement for every time we spoke last, you know, during camp, it seemed like Rosen was the better quarterback. I mean, just the, the presence in the pocket. Obviously, he was playing with the twos a lot more than the ones. He really seemed like, I thought he, he had a better preseason than Fitzpatrick. Obviously, that wasn't the case, and, and he started, what, week three and four, and that was kind of a, a big old mess. But um, we, we don't really know what that bar is set. I mean, I don't think what we see on the field is really what the coaching staff is looking for in terms of winning the job. So I know we might be getting too deep in this for, what, end of May, but... I think I'd at least want Fitzpatrick to start games, maybe maybe just even week one next year. Um, I just read something literally a couple minutes before I started the or we started the show that the Patriots gave up more than one passing uh, touchdown just twice, I think, last year. So when you kind of put into perspective who the Dolphins are facing, I love Rosen going against a team like Washington. I think that gave him an opportunity to show, hey, if you got something. I think that's what I kind of hope they do with Tua, even if he's ready to go week one. I really don't want to put him out there against a devastating Patriots defense. I think if, you know, the Dolphins are going out there and truly trying to win games, I think Fitzpatrick makes the most sense for that game. And now we could go three weeks down the road, Tua could be the starter and be the best quarterback of all time. And I don't think I'd change his decision. It's just a little bit of still trying to be cautious, right? I know I'm over here yelling the, you know, he's healthy, he's healthy, he can play. But I think there should be a couple games. I don't know if he's going to really come in and show those things uh, before week one or week two, before we see a, I'm not saying, you know, another 59 to 10 game like that Baltimore Ravens game. But Fitzpatrick maybe do a couple things. And, and don't get me wrong, I'd really want him to succeed. I love seeing Fitzpatrick having fun because if Fitzpatrick's smiling, everything is going well. That's like, that's like simple as that you can get for the Miami Dolphins. However, I think, you know, week two, week three, we're going to see something on the field where Flores can come out to a press conference and say, you know, based on what we've seen, based on what you've seen, I think it's time for us to make a switch because after seeing that, that preseason last year, no matter how well Tua does, I think, I think Fitzpatrick's going to start week one. I think I would put money on that too. Yeah, I think I'm with you. But again, it's kind of telling that some of these coaches around the league believe that this could potentially be uh, you know, a quarterback competition as it should throughout training camp, and then the best player will play. I think uh, before we move on, the biggest thing for us to note here is that, you know, it's not going to be a situation like we saw last year where Brian Flores came out and said, 
Josh Rosen's our guy. I think he might have even said for the rest of the year we're going to play Josh Rosen. And then there was a, yep. a, a flip that switched, and he realized, you know, this team is playing a lot harder for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick's playing a lot harder than Josh Rosen. And, I mean, this is Josh Rosen, the guy who, again, he has not been given the greatest circumstances. He's been behind two of the worst offensive lines in recent memory. You know, he just learned how to identify the Mike linebacker in, in camp last year. And he's had – uh ridiculous amount of offense coordinators throughout his career but once they do flip that switch and they move on to Tuatana Valoa at that point you know that's probably going to be the end of what we see of Ryan Fitzpatrick unless there's an unfortunate injury because this is Tuatana Valoa's team and whether it's week one whether it's week eight whether it's week you know 14 or 15 at that point this is going to be his team for the foreseeable future so we won't see a situation where they flip-flop but uh, once Tua gets in there you know this is Tua team for the future uh, now that we got on our soapbox about Tua Tonvaloa, and we do need to say this because it's going to be a you know something that we do probably every episode because this is the player that everyone is talking about, and every single day more news comes out. And all off season, we're going to hear all these great tweets about Tua looking great in shorts, which transitions us perfectly to this uh, wide receiver that we we uh, the two of us have talked about him, you know, to an excruciating amount already early on this offseason. That's Jakeem Grant. And this is a guy, like you said in the write-up, we talk about him a lot. But once this season comes on, whether it's injury, whether it's just his role isn't up to what he, up to his standards. I mean, we see the tweets. You see the shade that he's thrown at Chad O'Shea. I'm a wide receiver, and you don't know what the issue was there. But uh, tell us a little bit about what we've seen over Jakeem Grant over the last few days. He's just kind of been his own hype man in the sense of he's been posting these different videos. I mean, he's got the speed. He's got the quickness. He's got the burst. He's got whatever word you want to use for goddamn he's running really fast. And, you know, it's interesting that we have talked so much about him. And it's hard for me not to think back of uh, last, you know, we we did a couple weeks ago. I think it was two weeks ago I, the, the on Twitter, you know. Uh, some underrated player on your team, some overrated player on your team. And and these aren't anything new. And last year, uh, there was one going around with a surprise cut. And uh, we had uh, previous hosts of the show, Sutton, on, on my previous podcast, In the Hunt. And uh, we asked him his surprise cut on the, on that list. And at the time, he said Jordan Phillips. And we all were like, "What? no way, dude. You're crazy. You're crazy. Well, who got cut? Jordan Phillips, and I just think it's really key here to keep in mind that there are going to be surprise cuts that happen every year that we aren't expecting, and Jakeem's already getting out in front of the game that he's not going to be one of them, or trying not to be one of them, right? He's trying to really make a case for himself, get that following, become a player that is very recognizable, not only to the fan base, uh, but maybe a little too fast for the opposing defenses to see, like he has in the past. I think you know, there is going to be a wide receiver who specifically you uh, are a big fan of that I don't think is going to make the team because you think Parker's a lock. You think Williams, you know, unless his leg has actually fallen off, which, is, you know, isn't the case, 0% chance of that. So he makes the team. Albert Wilson made less money. He makes the team. So you got three right there. Those are probably your three starters. And you're going to keep either five to six. You wonder, is Jakeem Grant number four or number five? Is Isaiah Ford one of those guys after having a really strong impression last year? Um, so what, what we have to ask ourselves is what kind of opportunity is he going to get? You think about the preseason, is he going to be playing with Josh Rosen? Uh, for me, I think that is, you know, we talk about Tua, and I think when we talk about this preseason dynamic, I think this, you know, preseason could be a huge 
wake-up call for Josh Rosen. What if he comes out and plays well? You have someone like Jakeem Grant who's, you know, trying to say, you know, I'm a receiver. We saw him dropping balls against the Patriots last year, right? We saw him drop, you know, I, I think a couple different Rosen balls. I think it was on, like, two straight drives or something. I couldn't believe it. But we know Rosen can throw a deep ball. You think he's probably the quarterback out there when Jakeem Grant's trying to make a case. I think we could see a lot of big things from Grant, yet it needs to happen, right? It hasn't happened in his career. I'm going to get the little, uh, one sec here. Let me pull up the, the, the game logs here. I mean, he has started four games in his career, right? And he really needs to show an opportunity of, hey, it's his fifth year in the league and, and really make a name for himself. He got the new contract. Otherwise, you know, maybe you do go with a rookie whose who's ceiling is uh, might be a little lower, but the floor is is established, right? He might be what fits the Dolphins, what the Dolphins are trying to do. The opportunities, I think, in the preseason are going to be really fun to watch with Jakeem, and I think he's going to take advantage of them. But until we see him do that, I think there's maybe three max, maybe four max roster spots in terms of wide receivers that are guaranteed. Yeah, and we mentioned it in a previous episode, and we're probably going to continue to do so as the season progresses. But next year, you know, the Dolphins have a, a, a plethora of draft picks again. They have all the cap space in the world. They're going to go out there, and they're going to bring playmakers in. And you're looking at Jakeem's stats, and we know he's been hindered by injury. We know that he didn't really get the same playing time that many fans probably expected early on. 53 receptions, 635 yards, and four touchdowns throughout his career. I mean, those numbers are, you know, what we saw from Devontae Parker when he didn't even hit his ceiling, you know? So you expect more out of Jakeem Grant. He's got that contract. For me, I want to see him in the return game. And I know he struggled with punt returns early on, you know, whether it was ball security, uh, calling fair catches when he needed to. But the guy is an explosive playmaker when the football's in his hands. And uh, it's been going around Twitter early this morning and a little bit last night about Preston Williams and the whole thing with him returning punts. And I'm still angry about that because you got an explosive guy like Jakeem Grant. You got an explosive player like an Albert Wilson. There's guys on this roster that can go out there and make plays on special teams. You know, you brought in a Malcolm Perry, whether it's Kirk Merritt, the undrafted free agent, the list goes on and on. But you're right. This is a make-or-break season for Jakeem Grant, and as we've seen in the past, you know, he, he's hungry during the offseason. I think it was Travis Wingfield of the Miami Dolphins. You know, he said every year in training camp, you know, he goes out there and works harder than anyone else on the field. And, I mean, that speaks volumes about his work ethic. But until he goes out there and shows that he can do it in live game action, besides that game that he had against New England, what was it, Monday night with Jay Cutler or a couple mm-hmm. years back, until he has a – until he does that on a – you know, weekly basis, he has to be considered one of those bubble spots. And he needs to go out there and prove that he can not only get acclimated to this new offense, but be a playmaker in the receiving game. Because we talked about it podcast after podcast. He's making a a boatload of money and he needs to go out there and produce or else he will be one of those players cut this offseason. For sure. I mean, entering uh, the age 28 season, I mean, he's coming off a brutal injury too. And that's like another thing to keep in mind. We we saw it with Albert Wilson, right? When he came back at first, I mean, he he's Mr. Yak. He is going to make, you know, plays happen after he catches the ball. We didn't really see that uh, too, too much as the inside guy when he first came back, but we re- that really started to develop at the end of the year. Uh, just to kind of add to just how last year just might have not been it for Jakeem. You know, we can talk about the drops and things like that, but, but he's saying he's a wide receiver. He rushed the ball four times last year, and he did have a touchdown. He had a long of seven yards, but as a total on those four rushes, he had five yards. Right. Those are Caleb Balazs. Like, like clearly, you know, 
yes, he, he could have made some plays to help his cause, but he, I, I think it's safe to say he wasn't necessarily always put in the proper situation to succeed with the skills that he has. Yeah, I completely agree. And before we get into this next part of our, our show, we need to take a break to listen to our ad sponsors. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And now that we are back, we need to talk about Stephen Ross, Dolphins owner. He went on CNBC yesterday, and he said that he thinks there will definitely be a football season this year, but the real question is whether or not there will be fans in attendance. And I think that is the million-dollar question heading into this year. You know, it seems like businesses are starting to open up. I think I saw Universal Studios is opening up June 5th and, you know, part of Disney World July 11th. So the world's slowly starting to return to some normalcy. I don't know if it's premature. I'm not, you know, an expert on this situation. I can't sit here and say one way or the other, but it appears that there will be a football season. As we said earlier in this podcast, it sounds like minicamp could happen next month. So there is a very, very good likelihood that the NFL season will happen. But will there be fans in attendance? And that, to me, is the million-dollar question. I watched Bundesliga soccer yesterday, Dortmund versus Bayern Munich. I mean, they were pumping in crowd noise, empty stadium, but they were just pumping in the crowd noise like the Falcons a couple seasons ago. Um, Another German soccer team actually put in 1,300 cutouts around the stadium of fans. (laughs) It It looked like a Madden game where they had, like, every other player look the same they're wearing a different shirt or whatnot but I think the NFL has to start to look into this because in the fall is when this all kind of started to take shape and and that is when things started to you know go south so I don't know that personally as as a father of two uh, I'm not going to a football game this year and no matter what the situation I love the Dolphins more than anything but there's nothing that would get me into the stadium after what we just saw this year and I hope that there's a lot of people that when they do go, you know, they wear the mask and, and they practice social distancing because if not, we're going to see a very similar situation. But what, do you, what are your thoughts on this situation, on Stephen Ross's comments about the football season and whether or not you believe fans will be in attendance next year? Yeah, the direct quote from him is definitely will be a football season this year. And the real question is if there will be fans in the stadium. I mean, the confidence there is just through the roof. And for a situation like this, you would think that you might want to play it safe and say we're hoping, right? But, you know, Stephen Ross, very smart man. I mean, you don't get to where he is by being dumb. I, you know, this is such a great sign for having a football season. And two, I think when we, you know, Football's in the unique spot. You think of the four major sports, all four of them, you know, were either started or a month away from starting when this pandemic really started to, you know, 
break loose uh, across the United States. So they didn't have any time to prepare, right? This is them kind of backlogging and preparing and trying to readjust. I mean, the NFL still has, what, five months before the season begins? I mean, obviously, yes, you need the preseason, you need the summer camp. So let's say three months. They've had two months, we'll say, already. I think I think I read somewhere, and, and don't quote me on this, that the, the league will lose $10 billion if they don't play this year. That is too much money. To, that is the definition of too big to fail. There's going to be football this year, and I think that's kind of the way Stephen Ross is kind of laying it forward. I think there's most certainly going to be football. I think that's very exciting and, and, and a blast to hear. And I think, you know, more than ever, we're going to see how cool the social media teams can be, the PR departments can be, because while, you know, the crowd or fans might not be loaded in, I mean, these guys are going to give us some really cool behind-the-back type of things. We might even see every team do some sort of hard knocks. Right, we might see because this is such a unique season, and and to give a little backstory about myself, I'm a teacher on the side, uh, an adjunct professor, and when all this broke, you know, we obviously couldn't do class uh, inside of our classrooms anymore. So I had everyone, you know, write blogs, and you know, I wanted them, some of them, to kind of just write stories about living in a society like this because I think you know whatever comes out of this whatever film that you know the Dolphins make whatever film any NFL team does those are going to be the coolest videos for years and years to come because this isn't just about you know the NFL making funny money excuse me this is about all of us kind of developing connections getting something to really all bond and come together over right so I think that is really what the key here is and I know you know the owners are thinking about that money but as fans we're clearly not you know siding with the owners or anything like that We're, we need something you know we really need something instead of watching football from or soccer from teams you can't pronounce i think this is a really too big to lose type of situation with the nfl for the nfl where i think things are going to be set up in a way where they're going to be able to go they're going to be able to do it fans i think are a question um i think i saw some of the south korean basketball games they had you know people spread out in the upper decks things like that and you know i don't want to bash my own team here but you can social, but with the amount of people I see go to a game in Florida, South Florida, it might be different. You know, you hear two is starting or something like that. More people might go out. But I think, you know, these this stadium isn't loaded. I think you can spread everyone out. I think you could even still do some sort of fun tailgates. But again, that's too far down the road. I'm not smart enough to make those decisions. But I wouldn't say they aren't possibilities just yet. Yeah, and it's not only the NFL. We see, I believe, NHL has a plan in place. I believe basketball also has a plan in place. So, Again, sports are coming back slowly, but they're trying to find new ways to entertain. And one of those new ways, and I have to tip my hat to Stephen Ross because this is a guy that a lot of fans were down on early on when he took over as ownership. And just lately, I mean, he has turned the Dolphins both on and off the field into a team that you know you're proud to say is your favorite football team. They said earlier today, and it said, starting on June 1st, we will provide a minimum of 1,000 meals each weekday out of Hard Rock Stadium to families in need in Miami Gardens. This initiative, led by Stephen Ross and the foundation, will invest $2 million into the program. We will post a link and embed the tweet into this episode of the podcast so you can, I believe you can donate meals, but I mean, this is huge. And again, this is a guy that we were really down on early on in the process, whether it be the Joe Philbin hiring, even before that, we were kind of down on Stephen Ross. This is one of those owners that, whether you share the same beliefs with him or not, I mean, he is doing everything he can to turn the Miami Dolphins into a respectable uh, NFL franchise, uh, a respectable NFL team, and you just got to love what he's doing because 
for so many years, the Dolphins were the laughing stock, you know, mediocrity. We've all lived through it, and it's finally starting to see that light at the end of the tunnel. We're starting to see, you know, the franchise shift with the Tuatone Valoa, everything they've done this offseason. You know, they are starting, even even dating back to last year, winning the five games. I mean, they're starting to look like a real NFL team on the field and then even better off the field. And I think this just speaks volumes about the Miami Dolphins, what they're doing for the community. And Stephen Ross, you know, he funded the stadium, and now he's doing things like this. I mean, it's great to see from your favorite football team. And, you know, it just makes you happy to be a Miami Dolphins fan. Yeah, and I think I saw some sort of statistic going into uh, last season that they was, uh, had a chart of every team and the community service they've done, the amount of hours they put it. And the Dolphins, like, blew away the competition of just how much work they're doing off the field um, in order just to kind of, you know, th- these people have an opportunity to impact the world, and they've been doing just that. I know Stephen Ross, you know, he... he Leads, I think, uh, business. I don't. I don't think they're classes, but but he he talks to so many players about you know what you're gonna do off the field, how you're gonna make money, that type of stuff. So it's really cool. Uh, also, what the Dolphins are doing, they're turning Sun Life Stadium into a drive-through, where basically it seems like they're gonna open it up, let some cars come park in there, uh, probably all the turf will be removed, and use those big screens and, and just show it probably old games, movies, whatever it may be. And with that, I mean, all I can say is I hope we start to see some sort of, you know, awesome games from the Dolphins on like a yearly basis. So it's not the same, you know, I always say it the same games from the 90s, 80s, and 70s that I have no recollection of, that I cannot relate to whatsoever. Yes, it's so cool to see that my team is good, but please let's get some good games that we could show there that I can go to these and remember sitting there. I can remember thinking about what we're going to talk about on this podcast because those are what make you, you know, really connect to a game. It's not, oh, this team was good before I was born. You know what I mean? So that would, uh, that would be a bomb bomb thing to go do. That, that That is for sure. And finally, Josh, I downloaded Madden 20. Um, I played maybe five games you online. Thing. Yeah, dude. Oh my god, what a garbage franchise! I got. I'm just gonna say it because I played maybe five games online, and obviously I'm gonna play with the Dolphins. 68 overall, and like I get that it's important to you know make teams that are more talented better, sure. But to give teams that are worse less chance of winning and promote teams to play with the best team in the league is a horrible model for building your game. I understand that, obviously, I can't throw jump balls to freaking Jakeem Grant over and over, and he's going to catch them all, and that's going to be it, and, and the Dolphins are going to give up a couple sacks. But to not even be able to play and, and you know, to be down, what, 14 nothing before you know it. I mean, where's that? You're supposed to be promoting everyone's franchise to get that really, you know, juiced up about football, about your own team. So that was garbage. Then I tried the QB1 mode. Oh my God, it took me two hours to play a game with the dumbest cut screens I've ever seen in the freaking world. Who writes this stuff? Who wants to hear stories about, you know, this guy and, and then the, the, Running back had a brother who died. You know, if I want to play a football game, I don't think I want to be in the most dark, depressing scenario in the freaking world. I want to live my college career going into the NFL like Johnny Manziel. Let me go take a bunch of selfies. Let me go to some stupid rager cut screen. Let me do some some stupid stuff like that instead of this, you know, where it takes two hours for me to play a game and then it's still just a garbage. I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm all riled up about Madden. It is an awful franchise. I got that, That's all I could say. Someone needs to compete with them. Otherwise, we're going to get the Ryan Tannehill. Nobody, you know, competed with them, so they, they became stagnant type of thing. That's what we're dealing with. I mean, that's exactly what we're dealing with, and it's funny you mentioned them being the worst team in the game, and I mean, I bought every Madden, but dating back to the early 90s, I'm one of those fools. I'm probably half the reason they're still, you know, they're getting ready to re-up on that exclusive uh, deal with 
with the NFL. I think the owners are voting on it sometime this week, and at that point, we're going to have Madden, and it's going to be the only simulation NFL video game on the market until, I think, 2025 or 2026. So, I mean, this is what we have to deal with, and you mentioned how awful that team was. I don't know if anybody watched it, but yesterday Verizon was hosting this thing to uh, you know, I guess support local businesses that are affected by COVID-19, and Tua Tungavaloa took on Saquon Barkley using last year's Madden Using those outdated rosters, they made this poor guy compete against Saquon Barkley, who the Giants aren't a great team, but, I mean, Saquon Barkley is. You know, some of those they players got in that offense. They got big players. They give they give people credit. You know, we I'd love some sort of X factor on the Dolphins. Devontae Parker can't get an X factor. Like, give me a break. Yeah, and two is there throwing it to Jakeem Grant and, you know, some of the other guys, and there's nothing wrong with them in real life. But in Madden, it, that, that, they are terrible. And he ended up beating Saquon 13-7 to in the first game. I turned it off after that, but I hear that Tua was getting dismantled in the second game. But to make this poor guy, you know, sit there and, and he's going out there to support a local business, they couldn't get an, an updated roster. You know, there's custom classes out there. There was a way that he could have used his own player to take on Squan Barkley to make him use those outdated rosters. That was just sad in my opinion. But you're right. Madden is trash, but it is what we have. And since Tua and, you know, all the updates the Dolphins made this offseason – I'm going to buy it. I'm one of those fools, so it is what it is. <laughs> hey, Josh, it was fun talking with you. It always is. I, I hope everybody out there had fun listening. I hope you're all staying safe. Be sure to hit us with that subscribe button. It helps us, like I said, so, so much. Rate, review, let us get your comments. I mean, like I said, even if you're commenting on the Finsider page, I do read all those. I try to put those into consideration when what we're talking about, so keep that in mind. I am jmendel94 on Twitter, for at Houts. This is Finsider Radio. This was the Jake and Josh Show. Have a lovely week, ladies and gentlemen. Have a lovely Fins week. Up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Everybody, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the.